Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Welcome back to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, Good evening, Fred. Well, lots of new developments over the past few days. First up, there is the two and a quarter billion dollar investment by Japan's SoftBank in GM's self-driving car unit, Cruise. In your latest newsletter, you're pointing out SoftBank also has invested in Uber. So what do you make of this? Well, it's a very interesting, I guess. Um, SoftBank must realize that for Uber to be um, valued at anywhere near its current valuation uh, and greater, it really needs uh, driverless technology because that's really the only way it can grow 10x or 20x or 30x, which is really what it needs to do. And so if one looks around and says, okay, who's going to do this for us? Because it seems as if uh, Uber doing it itself uh, might not, um, is in a certain question or is in trouble. So you look around, you say, well, who's number one? Well, um, I don't think uh, Alphabet uh, is looking for any outside investments in Waymo. Thank you. Uh, they want, I'm sure they want to keep the valuation and the value of that company all to itself. And so you then go to number two. And, um, and the number two, although I think it's a distant number two, but it is number two, is General Motors Cruise. And so you approach General Motors Cruise and uh, you make the investment. Then what the stock went up 10%, the highest amount that it's gone up in a single day since uh, uh, since um, it's, it came out of bankruptcy. So, um, uh, yes, um, I think, uh, I think uh, they, they are, uh, through their investments, very interested in the, um, in the driverless and self-driving uh, technology, the automated vehicle technology. Uh, but I think that, to me, it's, it looks like it's a combination of, uh, of un- under um, um, uh, providing support and uh, and um, uh, providing a ground floor uh, for uh, Uber to uh, to be able to uh, continue forward with uh, uh, driverless uh, car technology. So I don't know. That's the way I look at it. Um, some other people look at it a little bit differently, but that's the way I see it. Yeah, and I guess we really don't know what uh, SoftBank could bring to this picture besides money, because they're also a technology company, you know, and, and wireless networks, and including they, they, they own a big stake in, in Sprint, which may be merging with T-Mobile. So uh, we, we don't know what, how that's all going to shake out, I suppose. Uh, that's correct. But uh, if they are, they are looking to be kingmakers and out there investing in, um, in a number of entities to bring it all together and make it happen. And, and in some sense, if anybody has any doubts that this is going to happen, um, um, 
I think one should think seriously because there is a lot of there's a lot of people, and including SoftBank, with an enormous amount of cash and looking to invest it in various places. But um, this place seems like um, it's a really uh, fertile one to invest. Yeah, where could there be a, a really big return? Waymo, in the meantime, you've already mentioned uh, Google's Alphabet self-driving uh, company. They're trying to pull further ahead, ordering 62,000 more Chrysler Pacifica minivans for its uh, self-driving fleet. That comes after that big order of, what, 20,000 vehicles from Jaguar not that long ago. Right. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, as you plot up the, the uh, number of vehicles uh, uh, Waymo has acquired over time, uh, one sees that, um, that it is... Uh, that is, it is this linear uh, plot in semi-log uh, um, domain, which suggests that uh, basically they their their orders are going up by uh, 10x every two years. And so, um, uh, when they ordered the 20,000, one would have expected an order for 60,000. At least wait a few more months, but um, they're going even faster than growing 10x uh, every two years. Um, it, it's uh, whether it's an order or, or it's an option to purchase, uh, whether it's 60,000 or 62,000, uh, they had ordered 2,000 uh, six months ago or so. So one wonders whether or not the, the two is from the previous 2,000 or is really an extra. 2000 on top of the 60. Uh, but, you know, those are details. And the, the fundamental number is uh, 60,000, which means that, um, that in a year or two, or, you know, between 12 months and 24 months from now, uh, Waymo is going to be, um, is going to be sitting on 80,000, uh, vehicles, um, and, um, and they have to put them to work. Uh, and um, putting them to work, if one looks at uh, basically a vehicle can serve about um, 50 trips a day, um, that uh, that uh, 80,000 vehicles uh, basically uh, suggests uh, that um, they're going to be moving 4 million people or 4 million trips each day come, uh, let's say, uh, 24 months from now. Uh, one has to build up to that number. Uh, but that's that's a lot of trips. It's it's in the United States. It's really more trips uh, than Uber serves on a daily basis. Uh, so um, so when one looks at this, one sees that uh, my goodness, the landscape of um, of um, ride hailing and um, the uh, the the provision of of. Uh, uh, mobility as a service, uh, in other words, on-demand, um, origin to destination service, hopefully in, in a shared ride uh, concept of having, you know, people who um, are not related, but going from the same place to about the same place or at least in the same direction at about the same time, sharing these vehicles and thereby uh, providing very efficient uh, mobility um, to these folks, um, that's going to be a substantial change in, in the landscape uh, across the United States. Um, you know, uh, in, on a typical day, 
there are about a billion trips. Uh, of those, uh, maybe, um, you know, 15% are really walk trips. So there are maybe, uh, you know, something like 850 uh, million. Uh, but, uh, but if, if, um, uh, Waymo is out there, uh, serving 4 million of those, uh, that's 5% of the market. Uh, that's, that's a greater percentage of, of the trips. Uh, than current uh, transit systems serve in the United States. And so in some sense, they almost have to do that. Otherwise, they're going to have, you know, 80,000 vehicles or some per percentage of that sitting around. And uh, I don't think they're, uh, they're going to let that happen. So they're going to put them out there. They're going to, going to uh, find the, the geographic regions that the, that will accept them to provide this uh, this really high form of mobility, and um, and as I've suggested, uh, we'd like them to uh, come to Central Jersey and provide this mobility as a service to um, to our mobility disadvantage. And uh, so um, uh, this is a, this is really a um, an enormous uh, um, uh, change in in the way a substantial number of people. We'll be getting around, you know, 5% of the trips is a substantial portion. And so let's see what happens. And, and it has to happen within, um, you know, within 24 months in some sense. Uh, so um, um, this is really exciting, or at least that's the way I look at it. I, I guess some other people could take this information and, and look at it differently, but, um, but that's the way I look at it. Well, I don't know how you can look at it uh, a whole lot differently. And, we don't know how many regions of the country they're going to look to uh, to disperse these vehicles into, but uh, obviously it's going to be more than just a couple of locations. Well, I, I would think so. I mean, just think, uh, Fred, if you, if you had 80,000 vehicles and then you were really uh, in it to win it, which means, uh, you know, this is just the first 80,000. The next order is going to be for, you know, 200,000. And, and, uh, and two years from now, you're going to order, you know, 2 million. So, um, so if you're in it to win it, what you're doing with your, your original, um, uh, uh, cash of these, uh, of these vehicles is you're probably going to sprinkle them in various markets and you're going to do market tests. You're going to see, uh, where, where do you have the opportunity to be successful and, where you really have to work at it and, and maybe do a lot more work to, to make it happen and where it's not quite as easy. And um, in the places where, where you're, uh, uh, you're successful and you're praised and, and, uh, and uh, people respond to the service that you're offering, guess what? You're going to put more in there. I mean, that's, that's the way uh, every, every disruptive technology has worked. And so, well, yes, uh, they probably will be sprinkling them around the country in various markets and do market tests. And uh, I mean, that's, that would be the intelligent thing to do. And they're intelligent. So um, that's what I think they'll do. Another interesting thing, and we talked about Uber a little while ago, was that their CEO late last week uh, said the company is in discussions to have Waymo's cars added to its network. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know to what extent 
he's talking out of school. We're not talking out of school or to what extent uh, he's just uh, putting out there the olive branch. Um, to me, the interesting things is, uh, is at least in the short run, they may both need each other. Um, one of the challenges that Waymo will find as it begins to put these vehicles out there is, is, uh, they'll need a customer base that, that has the, the app, uh, that is willing to use it on a onesie twosie basis, uh, you know, every once in a while. And so they need a substantial market penetration of people that have the app to be able to, to, um, hail these vehicles in, in one form or another. And, and so, um, uh, going, uh, using, um, uh, the Uber app, which a lot of people have on their phones, uh, as a means to summoning a, um, Waymo driverless vehicle, uh, could be an attractive opportunity, uh, for, uh, Waymo, especially in the beginning. Uh, while its own app uh, gets traction. Now, of course, everybody has has uh, uh, the search engine on there, and so maybe uh, they can do it through the search engine, or they, they don't need the Uber app uh, to, uh, to approach the marketplace uh, to be able to, um, uh, to uh, basically get their rides to their, their system. Uh, so they could use Uber for that. In other words, um, Uber uh, uh, requests for the people who use Uber to request a trip. Um, those that could be uh, easily served by the Waymo vehicles could be directed to Waymo, and then Waymo go ahead and and deliver the service. And uh, in some sense, then they have to decide as to um, following the money who gets the money. Um, but basically, Uber would be a, a sales arm or a, a customer interface arm. Uh, certainly not the arm that is going to uh, manage the vehicles, direct the vehicles, uh, uh, clean them at night, um, uh, do all the uh, fuel them, uh, do all the things that are necessary, make sure that the technology really works and the maintenance is up, up to date and all that. Uh, I would think that that's going to be done on, under Waymo's direction and, and Uber would be providing, um, access, uh, to the, uh, to the riders. Um, so, um, yes, that would be, that would be, uh, I would think that Waymo might find that, uh, valuable. The other thing that Waymo might find valuable is that if it wants to, um, provide, um, uh, basically, uh, a service that would um, uh, serve all of a person's trips. Their vehicles are going to be um, geofenced uh, to a certain geographical area, uh, wherever they are. And and so um, you, Fred, as a customer, uh, might find that uh, they serve um, your trips. Most of your trips are within that geofenced area, and they serve you very well. But if you're somehow uh, deciding to not buy a, 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 another car or maybe even give up your car and become in some sense dependent on them or use them as your primary mode of mobility, um, you'll have some trips that will go outside that geofenced area for which you will need an Uber 
type of, of service with a human providing you with that mobility. So in a sense, um, uh, instead of Waymo having to go out and now manage uh, the gig workers that provide that, that uh, human-driven um, um, uh, uh, service that you need for some of your trips uh, so that they end up serving all of your trips. Waymo could, uh, could, could then take those trips and pipe them over to Uber and say, you serve these guys because we don't go there. Okay. So therefore, Uber gets some benefit uh, of some rides that they wouldn't have had and would, wouldn't have gotten, which come off of the Waymo um, uh, app and the Waymo um, the sourcing of the trips. So uh, in the beginning, they could have this sort of good symbiotic relationship, or maybe even that's, that second piece of the symbiotic relationship going forward with having uh, Waymo providing the human-driven parts uh, of, of trips uh, for those trips that need a, a human driver for whatever reason, but Waymo providing um, the bulk of the trips uh, with driverless vehicles um, could be where this would evolve. But to me, in, in any of those evolutions, it's Waymo that is the controlling entity, uh, not Uber. And Uber is basically you know, providing some, some services uh, to, the, uh, to the Waymo uh, brand and the Waymo uh, central management. Uh, so I don't know. That's, again, the way I see it. I'm sure Uber would see it otherwise, and maybe a lot of other people see it differently, but that's the way I see it. Interesting angle as to what the, uh, the incentive for Waymo may be. A piece in ARS Technica seemed to tie a lot of these stories up in a neat bundle talking about just how far ahead of the pack Waymo is with the anticipation that it will log about 4 million miles this year. Yes, I mean, they, they, they've done the development very, very methodically and very well and um, and very carefully and very responsibly. And they've done it not only by driving miles, but, but the miles that they have driven are, are really um, good miles. In other words, they really test the system. They aren't the, the boring, hey, we know it works in these miles. Uh, let's not even bother doing that. We, let's try in the places where we might have problems. And doing that not only on, you know, on public roads, but also on their own test site that they, that they put together. And also, more, probably more importantly, is in, in simulation. And in simulation, that's where they one really um, can learn a lot of things quickly um, and effectively. But of course, um, the problem with with um, with simulation is the only thing you simulate is what you know. And you don't simulate what you don't know because you don't know it. And the only way you find out what you don't know is um, get Mother Nature to reveal it somehow to you. And that means uh, you have to go out there and and do it for real. Uh, but um, they've done it very um, methodically, very purposefully, and um, looks like very well. And that's why they're where they are. Interesting. You also highlight in the newsletter a report from the European Commission proposing a comprehensive EU approach towards connected and automated mobility there. 
But you, you have some concerns in what was described there. Well, I have concern because when I read it, um, of course, I'm very interested in the driverless autonomous taxi, mobility as a service, on-demand, 24-7 mobility to all uh, that is afforded with this technology, um, which is really a, a you know, mass transit for everybody, especially for folks who live in moderately dense areas where um, where conventional transportation mass transportation just can't provide you the service. That's why everybody's gone out there and bought their own cars and delivered it for themselves. And and what what the driverless or autonomous taxi services uh, do is is they 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 come in there and they provide an equivalent form of mobility. Uh, but also have the opportunity because of the information, because of the knowledge of all the trips that that, that are being requested within within a, a, in real time within the, the next uh, few minutes or so on. Uh, they know where they're all going. Therefore, they can pair people up and 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 offer that on a shared ride basis, which we haven't been able to do ourselves in the vehicles that we own. Uh, when, when I take my car to work in the morning. I don't check out with all my neighbors. Hey, anybody going my way want to ride with me? I mean, maybe I should, but there's no convenient way for me to do that. But if you're managing all all these trips, you know that, and therefore you can offer it up and you can offer the incentives that would get people to share rides. And and what that does is ends up um, reducing the number of vehicle miles traveled to serve the same number of trips. And you reduce vehicle miles travel, you, you, you reduce congestion, you reduce energy consumption, you reduce pollution, you reduce greenhouse gases. It's all good. And you make it cheaper for, for each of the people taking the ride. So in a sense, to me, it, it really is the, it's, it's the next form of mass transportation for places where there aren't, you know, highly concentrated masses which is at least in the United States where most of us live. Uh, we don't all live in Manhattan. Uh, Manhattan is separate. Um, in, in China, you know, not everybody lives in Shanghai or downtown Shanghai or in, in the towers, although maybe a lot of people do live in the towers. But there's an awful lot of people that, that sort of go from moderate density areas to moderate density areas. And in Europe, it's the same way. But somehow Europe hasn't discovered this mobility. You know, they, they, they're looking at, at really self-driving, looking at, 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 uh, at personal ownership of these things, not looking at the opportunity to provide mobility as a service to moderately dense areas, which desperately need it even in Europe. The, the, the mass transportation or the public transportation in moderately dense areas um, is, is as poor as it is in the United States. Um, uh, and that's why people buy cars in Europe and that's why they drive their cars and that's why they go that way. Uh, but they're not even, they don't seem to be focused on, on, on letting the technology evolve to provide mobility, a mobility option, uh, to people, uh, to, uh, maybe say, I'm not going to own a second car. I'm not even going to own a first car. And, and don't tell me to go live on a in a twenty story tower. I still want to live in in, in my bungalow, uh, you know, uh, somewhat in, in in the suburbs. And, and so, it, 
it just doesn't seem to be going that way. And, and I just, I, I think that's unfortunate. It may be because in Europe, uh, the auto companies are, are so much, the auto OEMs are so much a part of, of the, 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 what is going on and, and the directions that they're going. And of course, they want to continue to sell cars to us. Uh, they don't want a, a fleet solution. Um, uh, they don't want to, uh, to um, uh, that's not their business model. Their business model is continue to sell us cars so that we can move ourselves between A and B. And, um, and, I, and so um, I just wish they, they would uh, take a, a little bit broader view. We'll, we'll see what happens in time, perhaps. I mean, we, you and, and I've had the opportunity to meet uh, some, some brilliant people who work over there and maybe things could change. In the meantime, we're seeing some interest among lawmakers in Washington, uh, a couple of senators recently pushing for more answers and transparency from companies testing auto- autonomous vehicles. Are, are you glad to see Washington uh, getting more involved seemingly here, or what's your take on this? Well, of course. Well, I, I think, you know, Washington's going to be involved, and I think this is a, this is a way for for them to get involved and, and, and ask the questions. They can at least ask questions, but I think I would like them to take a slightly different focus. Uh, why, not, why not encourage the companies to cooperate and then look at the legislative o- overlay that one needs uh, to enable them to cooperate effectively on safety? We, 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 should, we, we, should, be, we should be more Marxist associated with safety, we should all be working together to make the thing as safe as possible. Um, uh, we, we, we should be competing on, on safety. Uh, we can compete on a lot of other things, uh, but we shouldn't be competing on safety. Uh, so that requires, um, you know, there, there, there are aspects of collusion, there are there are aspects of, 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 of uh, monopoly powers and so on um, that, that really uh, preclude the, the cooperation. And I would think that one of the things that would be nice to see, to see Washington focus on is, is really to say, look, with respect to safety, everybody should be working together and they should share all the information as much as possible. And how do we create an atmosphere and uh, both, le- uh, of course, legal atmosphere uh, for them to do that and certainly encourage them from a public policy perspective to say, we want you to cooperate on safety. And and so as you find uh, some things that, that need to be corrected, let everybody know. Provide the information and the tools and share them among yourselves so that you can all become better. Saving lives is uh, what, what you're talking about. Of course, not only saving lives, saving the injuries. I mean, some sense lives are, I guess it's, it's good that it's over. The problem is in the injuries, man, you have to live with them. Um, that's even, that's even more difficult. But Finally, uh, there's a report in Wired, uh, and you sort of alluded to this a little earlier about, uh, Avis looking to the role that they think maybe they can play in maintaining fleets of autonomous vehicles. Uh, Given their experience in keeping cars clean, well maintained, fueled or charged, um, what, what do you think about the possibility of a rental car company like Avis jumping in? 
Well, of course they can do that. Uh, absolutely. All those things are going to need to be done. You know, everywhere that, that uh, when, when Waymo goes and gets those 20,000 um, uh, Jaguars, they're all electric cars. They're going to need the charging infrastructure and, and the, the, in a sense, the grid to be able to effectively recharge these. They're going to have to clean them, vacuum them, wash them, uh, maintain them, um, all those things, park them overnight. Uh, in the middle of the night, these vehicles are unused, which is great because that's when you can maintain them. That's when you can clean them. That's when you can you know, get them ready for, for their heavy use uh, the next morning. Uh, but but the, that part of, of, of the business, uh, that's sort of the, I call it the overhead part of the business. You know, that's, that's the things that you have to do. Uh, in addition to your great algorithms that do collision avoidance and, and safety and uh, optimal vehicle repositioning and management and, and, and service to the customer. Um, uh, that's the, what Avis could do in those situations is really, um, is really the overhead work that, that, that has to be done. And, uh, that's going to employ a lot of people. It's going to, uh, it, 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 it's going to be good. The question with respect to an Avis doing it, you know, they've done that, but that's, they also consider that as overhead. That's not the, the sweet spot of their business. And so uh, to just do the overhead and not the sweet spot of their business, which is really providing vehicles for people to go from A to B and so on, uh, one wonders, well, um, you know, are they going to be, think that this is um, beneath them or whatever? But, hey, uh, to survive, maybe they'll do that and they'll do that well and decide, well, let's take pride in the overhead work and the work that's, that's really just overhead and, and let's do that really well and, and put us out there. Uh, Waymo's are uh, con contracted with, with a firm to be able to do that kind of thing. Uh, is that it is it sufficiently big and so on? Can, can a uh, Avis uh, go in there and, and also supplement that? Uh, maybe, probably, uh, and of course. So there's an opportunity for them, but but uh, but that's a real uh, that's a real pivot. No doubt, Alan, it would be. Time to park this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on iTunes, Google Play, and more, even on your Amazon Alexa. Look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.